well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Caitlin, the sexy non-kitten, and Matt, the dinosaur Dracula. We've got a big event coming to town, Matt. WrestleMania. Big time. This is like the Super Bowl if you're a wrestling fan. Yes, and this year, it's in your backyard. And of course, we're going to be going. Oh, man. Yes. I mean, I know you have the stamina. I don't know <laughs> that I will make it through this 17-hour show. It really is going to be a long show, and they're packing so much into it that even if it's only four hours, it's going to feel like 16. Yeah, even if it's only four. Like, the pre-show is four hours. <laughs> it's going to start, I guess, at four, and it's going to go till probably midnight. You know what it is? You're going to be so amped up, though. It's just that total exhilaration of being in a stadium filled with 80,000 crazy fans well you know me i love being in open stadiums in broad daylight with eighty thousand people <laughs> when it's 57 degrees oh, that's the only saving grace if it was 10 degrees hotter i would have told you to sell my tickets you did say on social media that you're way more into it being cold and i can't agree i have to say it's got to be a little bit warmer for me because like who wants to be out if it's like 45 degrees Here's my situation. There are cameras all over that place. The last thing I need is to hit a big screen with brow sweat. <laughs> Little beads of embarrassment that'll follow me forever. <laughs> like the camera's going to be that close up on you. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you most looking forward to out of WrestleMania? All the matches. There's so much stuff happening in this event. A lot of big matches. What are you looking forward to? I just want to see my girl Becky win the title in the main event. I do too. I really want to see that as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been, I guess, since November that I've been praying that they somehow got to this match, and they did. It's amazing like to actually like wish for a match that isn't booked, and it's the match that magically happened. She got really started to get herself over, and we went to Evolution from there. We're like, man, this is where it's at right here. This was a great match, her and uh, Charlotte. Yeah, and it's been a rocky road. They haven't done her too many favors on the booking since then, but I still think it's going to be her night. Yeah, to say it was erratically booked leading up to it is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, very much like a double dare physical challenge like every week for her. <laughs> How about you? What's uh, what's your number one match aside from that one? Aside from that one, seeing Alexa host WrestleMania is going to be really the highlight for me. Oh, yeah. You're guaranteed probably at least three Alexa Bliss appearances at key moments. Just little pepperings of Alexa throughout your night. <laughs> I like that. Pepperings. Yeah. Pepperings of Bliss. I will pepper liberally. <laughs> 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 just don't pepper too early jay <laughs> so i'm looking forward to that because you know that'll be my real big pop moment mm -hmm. and if i have to pick an actual matchup i do want to see the iconics win the tag team championship yeah i don't know that i'm gonna place my bet on them but i <laughs> but i am looking forward to hearing that theme music also oh, good <laughs> so it's going to be a fun time and i obviously want to see kofi as well because that's going to be a big match kofi versus daniel bryan yeah especially because with the way they've built it like there's just no way he's not winning yeah and to consider all of the highlights he had at royal rumbles over the years it's got to make you wonder what he's going to pull out at wrestlemania yeah it might just be a straight up match but what i love about it is that they were not planning this. Like, it just organically happened, and they had no choice but to run with it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. And in celebration of WrestleMania, what are we going to do here tonight, Matt? Well, 
we do one wrestling show per year. Right. So this year we wanted to do something that our non-wrestling fan listeners might be able to get behind. So we are going to talk about wrestlers as actors. Yes. And we figured, how do we bring out the best in some of these guys? Well, maybe we could see them in a cameo in a TV show or a movie or a commercial. <laughs> yeah, occasionally a Pizza Hut commercial, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of these guys have went on to... You know, I'm not going to say successful careers in show business, but some of them... Look, not everyone's going to end up being The Rock, you know? Some, some yeah. people are going to basically stop at the Pizza Hut commercial. Some of them wind up on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. <laughs> so we brought quite a list to the ring tonight, Matt. Yes, uh, I think even people who have never seen a single wrestling match will be familiar with most of our picks tonight. I believe so. It's probably my turn to go first, huh? I think so. Let's go down to ringside. Number one. B-5-O-Hum! Come on, you guys. It's only a little. A hungry giant! Hungry for a big honey dash. Big days, honey go, big days. For my first pick, let's talk about the time Andre the Giant visited the Honeycomb Hideout. Nice. Oh yeah, back in the late 80s, I believe, the big man starred in a Honeycomb cereal commercial, and every frame was epic. It was. It definitely was. Yeah, so for those who don't remember, the Honeycomb Hideout was this like amazing treehouse where all of the kids in these commercials used to hang out. And they would hang out with this robot. I love that damn thing. Yeah, did he have a name? I just call him the Honeycomb Robot. I guess that's what, yeah, that's me too, right? Just an old yeah. HR. Yeah. So even a Honeycomb commercial that didn't feature Andre the Giant was pretty major when you have a treehouse and this robot. But you add him <laughs> in and... And, you know, tree houses were the thing in, like, the 80s, 90s. Like, everybody had a tree house. I never had one. Neither did I, and it drove me fucking crazy. Yeah, but you had a shed that was pretty similar. <laughs> I did swipe the shed, you're right. Yeah. Now, if I have the timeline right, this commercial came out after Andre's appearance in The Princess Bride. Right, so he was typecast as a giant from, like, the... From, like, fairy tale times. Medieval basically. time, yeah, exactly. Right, so he's like... <laughs> He's in the commercial, and he's Andre, but he's not like Andre the Giant, the wrestler. He's sort of like this good-natured fairy tale giant. Right. And, you know, I guess that's for the best, because by that point in his career, he was pretty much a giant dick. Yeah, well, because he was always in pain, apparently. Well, no, I mean, just in character, he was, like, ripping off Hogan's cross and oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. He, you're right, his legs hurt, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was a heel on TV when he had his wrestling gear on. Right, right. So, but in show business, he was this big old nice giant who was helping everyone. Right. That's so funny because I remember um, an issue of WWF Magazine where they featured his role in The Princess Bride. And they're trying to imply that he was like difficult on set because he's a big, <laughs> bad, evil guy. And he just did the role begrudgingly. I don't know, man. You watch this commercial. He's just beaming. He's chomping down that honeycomb, and he just has never looked happier. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was loving it. And I don't know if you picked this out, but he had, like, a voiceover that wasn't his voice. I was wondering about that. I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. I couldn't quite figure out if it was him or not. Andre was kind of difficult to understand sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, so... he, was, he was seven foot seven, 550 pounds, French, and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but he had honeycomb <laughs> oh it's not small <laughs> yeah yeah i guess they did overdub it i mean it, it, it sounds similar to andre but it's definitely a little bit more of a, a booming giant yeah it was a little bit more performance art 30 seconds of pure bliss though just an a plus in this commercial it was definitely bliss it was a moan of bliss <laughs> <laughs> Hit the music. <laughs> <laughs> 
number two. Based on what you cooked last night, Katrina, that's the least of our worries. Oh, I'm leaving. Oh, great-great-grandfather, Captain One-Eyed, Peg-Leg, Booze Guzzling, Mean Lou Albano. If I knew of your secrets, I could take of these riches and pay off our creditors. All right, I'm going to kick things off in a big way, Matt. Captain Lou Albano, one of the greatest managers in WWF history, is the topic of my first pick. Uh, man, when you start a show with Captain Lou, you know it's going to be a good one. So the rock and wrestling connection in the early to mid eighties was like huge thing. It was a blitz. Uh, WWF was, it was really a moment pop- of blitz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so WWF was really popular at the time. And Cindy Lauper happened to be friends with captain Lou. So that kind of brought together and really enhanced the rock and wrestling connection. Okay. Before you even continue, how did this happen? How did Cindy Lauper, and Captain Lou Albano hook up. Was it just that they saw each other backstage and said they liked each other's style? Like, what happened there? I can't say this is 100% true, but what I've read is that they were both in a bodega and Cindy was going to buy a tab. And Captain Lou said, No, 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 Cindy, I got this for you. <laughs> and that's how they became friends. And she just loved his rubber bands pinned to his face. This better be true. <laughs> Captain bought Cindy Lauper a tab cola at a bodega. Yes, that's how they met. Awesome. Anyway, Captain Lou and Cindy Lauper were friends, and Cindy Lauper put Captain Lou in like four videos of hers. Right, she did. Music videos, for those who don't know, are these basically a commercial for the song. <laughs> yeah, music videos for you youngins. You used to have a lot of them in the 80s. Yeah. So Girls Just Want to Have Fun was like one of her biggest songs. And she had a video for that where he played her father. In the video, he's like that disapproving dad, the disciplinarian, you know. Right. Even though he's still dressed like party animal Lou. Yeah, he's still Captain Lou. I don't believe that a guy in that shirt would have this many hangups about what his daughter did. (laughs) Yeah. So she was raising hell. She had a party out in the streets and brought it back home in that video. But one of the main reasons why i want to bring this up is the goonies are good enough video (laughs) which is in one of the best movies of all time in the goonies right Mm -hmm. in the video not only do you have captain lou who's playing one-eyed peg leg then you got rowdy roddy piper the iron sheik classy freddy blassie they show up in a limo (laughs) and they're basically mirroring the film where they're trying to take over the gas station that captain lou owns it's completely insane but anyway (laughs) yeah no it's completely insane like i'm watching i guess it's important to point out you have to watch the full version of the video not the cut down because the first two minutes with what you're describing i'm sitting here like what the fuck is this (laughs) and at the exact moment where i'm hitting the peak you see nikolai volkov drive by milking a ceramic cow (laughs) yes yes He's singing the Russian national anthem the whole time. <laughs> yes. Good old Nikolai. Then meanwhile, Moolah and Wendy Richter, they're going at it verbally tearing each other down. And Wendy Richter, she has a veggie burger shop, right? So she's making veggie burgers. Is this a real thing or is this like the bodega with the tab? No, shit, this is so real, man. Oh, my God. Like, you know, there's so much going on in this video that I didn't pick up on that. But it's just so out of left field. Like, what? What is he bad? And then they had hibachi chefs. Yes. They're from Benihana, too. Like, actual official Benihana hibachi chefs. they had their big red chef cap things that all said Benihana on them. Like, okay. There's a lot of disparate elements going on in this video. Yeah, and this is the point where you're like, okay, this is right up there with, like, a Billy Ocean video. Absolutely. Very Billy Ocean-esque in its um, (laughs) just surreal nature. Then there's a part two to the video. But, like, right before they cut to the part two, there's a cliffhanger, okay? Yeah. And, basically, Cindy is getting chased by the bad guys who are the pirates, a.k.a. the WWF wrestlers. We think it's going to end and Cindy's going to die. And then they go to Steven Spielberg. (laughs) A young, hip Steven Spielberg rocking his long hair and the old hat and sunglasses. 
Yeah, like the actual Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, okay. So they come back, and then, you know, they're everyone's on the pirate ship with Andre the Giant. <laughs> oh, my God, it all connects. Here, here's the great part. When Cindy Lauper whistles, Andre the Giant appears to save the day out of nowhere. <laughs> It's like he's like a superhero that you have to call. He's like Captain Planet almost. <laughs> yeah. Completely nuts. So nuts, man. So obviously Captain Lou was a big part of all these. I know I mentioned some of these other guys, but then he also appeared in Shebop and Time After Time. So the one thing I have to say is that like, you know, music videos, the memories fade over the years and you don't really see these old ones unless you specifically look them up. But you hear Cindy Lauper songs all the time. I just completely forgot that Captain Lou is like literally a part of every one of these songs. Maybe he actually reminded her of her dad. <laughs> Who knows? It's just so bizarre because he wasn't, I mean, he was a star, but he wasn't like their biggest star. So of all the people yeah. from wrestling to get this like special preferential treatment by Cindy fucking Lauper, <laughs> it's Captain Lou Albano. And it's just the most beautiful thing. I could watch this video time after time. Number three. Cowabunga! The last vial of ooze. He must have drank all of it. It's a super shredder. I think we may have mentioned this in passing on another episode, but it's time for a deeper dive, Jay. Let's talk about the time Kevin Nash played the goddamn Super Shredder. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, let's do this. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. The year is 1991. The movie is very bizarre. This is the <laughs> one with Vanilla Ice doing the ninja rap. Yes. All that shit. The first Ninja Turtles movie is like very straight played and realistic. But the sequel was definitely, like, goofy on purpose. Yeah, it was almost like going into their Joel Schumacher phase. Exactly. And, <laughs> and by the way, guys, more on him later. Yeah. <laughs> but it's important to note that this sequel was kind of intentionally goofy when I describe this next scene. Okay. So at the end of the movie, Shredder gets fed up of losing, and he drinks a whole can of mutagen ooze. <laughs> and yes. this turns him into like a hulking monster version of himself. And yeah. for some reason, it also mutates his clothing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I've had people try to explain that one to me. And I'm just like, you're never going to convince me that drinking mutagen is going to transform a guy's helmet. It was a strong mutagen, like 5% alcohol. Oh, man. Sounds pretty good. So, Super Shredder only lasts for one scene before being killed, but obviously the original actor could not play a seven-foot monster version of Shredder. Instead, it was Kevin Nash. Yes. A.K.A. Diesel, A.K.A. Big Sexy, A.K.A. Big Daddy Cool, A.K.A. Oz, A.K.A. Vinny Vegas, A.K.A. Master Blaster Steel. Yeah, that was good. Well done. Yeah, or as you know him, Tarzan from the Magic Mike movies. <laughs> i never saw those but i know he's I. actually my favorite would be when he was in john wick 2 or, uh, or or john wick 1 i don't remember well i mean they're both the same to me as in movies i will probably never see <laughs> this is probably out of all those gimmicks this is probably the coolest one <laughs> <laughs> yeah if only you could have brought this to the ring you would have got over way earlier yeah i'm a huge nash mark dude is like super smart gives a hell of a shoot interview just like this cool guy. He is. He's really awesome. You look back at these early roles, and you're like, wow, this poor dude who could talk, and he was like a handsome, big, giant guy. He always had to like be under 50 pounds of plastic and nylon. 
once he became Diesel. I think that was like the real big turning point. Yeah, that's when everyone discovered those long, luscious locks. <laughs> yes, this yeah. was his first movie role, by the way. I mean, what a way to kick off your career. You're playing the fucking Super Shredder. Yeah, he was basically like a, almost like a kaiju. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, you know, sort of like a kaiju in training, yes. But I think the best part about the scene when he's Super Shredder is the fact that he kills himself in a way. Does he? I don't remember how it goes down. Does he like just basically like pratfall to his death or something? Well, so like he's knocking down the boardwalk or whatever they're on and then the whole thing comes collapsing down on him. The turtles didn't even barely do anything. <laughs> yeah, they lucked out in this case. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> say for a final battle, it wasn't exactly fucking Braveheart over there. <laughs> Nash is a talented dude. There's no doubt about it. I think the fact that he would do roles like this just showed that he was uh, not one of these guys who's like so into himself that he's like, no, I can't wear a mask in this movie. I, you have to show my face. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's one thing I love about him is he's so matter of fact when it comes to like money and business. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'll fuck it. You know, pay me $50. I will go stand over there and do something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like, cool. The guys just being honest. Where you're going to guarantee me money? Okay, I'm going to see Ted Turner. Yeah, and it's like it's so funny because sometimes I see fans kind of like needle him over this stuff. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, anyone should not be completely proud of the fact that they played Super Shredder and Secret of the Ooze. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. I've seen him at so many conventions, and I'm always like kind of like side-outing his table, trying to see if he's got any 8x10s from the movie. Never. Yeah, and he's like a legit seven-foot guy, so I'm not going to go over there and bring it up unprompted. Yeah, just out of the blue. Yeah, nah. But love you, Nash, and loved you in TMNT2. Hell yeah. Number four. Are you ready for pain? Are you ready for suffering? If the answer is yes, then you're ready for Captain Freedom's workout. Yes, it's America's yeah. own Captain Freedom. That's the ticket. No pain, no gain. This next entry is from The Running Man, and you might know the character of Captain Freedom. That's it, Gillian. I won't do it. <laughs> Played by Jesse the Body Ventura. And so The Running Man, obviously, we've talked about The Running Man before. It's a movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, where these criminals are basically escaping these stalkers who are after them. Right. It's basically like a game show fight thing. It's like American Gladiators a little bit. Souped up American Gladiators from a like dystopian nightmare. Yeah. So Jesse the Body Ventura plays a former champion stalker who has become this sort of like fitness guru broadcaster for the show. And he, he hosts like a workout video, which oh, is amazing. You know, amazing is one word to describe it, yes. Some part of me feels that he must have inspired DDP yoga. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, you might not be wrong about that, yes. But this was the scene that I always used to love. Like, that's the one I always look forward to, to see Captain Freedom hosting the workout video. Like, I wish I could have an actual Captain Freedom VHS workout tape, because I would use that every day. I'd be a picture of health. I don't I don't know about that, Jay. Did you see those people in the background? They weren't doing much. <laughs> They're kind of just, like, swaying. It's like they're hula hooping without the hoop. Oh, I think I could do that. Yeah, it's like the only that. thing I could do, so I'm in. <laughs> The way they cast him really worked out when you think about it, because the parallel of a wrestling career, he had the championship belt as a stalker. Yep. It was real popular in his heyday. And then they saddled him with some gimmicks yeah, and he became a broadcaster. Well, just to go a little bit deeper, like when you say saddle him with gimmicks, he's basically like dressed like Captain Power. Like he's yeah, like he... got like a robot fucking thing on him. like this 10 years ago with my bare hands i'm not going for any of these tricks this is a sport of death and honor yes yeah toward the end when he was going to get used to kill uh schwarzenegger it's like he didn't want to go out there with gimmicks but also when you think about it like seeing jesse the body with hair was great because sometimes he would do that on tv like 
superstars. Yeah, it's like one week it would be bald, one next week he would have a full head, and then like sometimes it'd be like weird colors. Yeah, and then he'd have like tassels from a Christmas tree or like tinsel. So I would think that when I watched his wrestling matches on the Coliseum videos that he was wearing like a bald cap with like yellow hair. <laughs> <laughs> like he was aging backwards gotcha i mean that's a pretty big leap but you were young but it makes more sense for captain freedom to have a nice head of hair nice little like side bowl almost like cena's hair now <laughs> yes <laughs> so jesse the body ventura one of my idols captain freedom america's number one action hit is hitting the holidays arnold is at his best fans start running says joel siegel of good morning america showtime the best schwarzenegger movie since the terminator says michael wilmington la times arnold schwarzenegger is the running man i'll be back the running man rated r now playing Number five. Winner, the champion of a battle of the top five is. Okay, so this one's a little different. It's not exactly a case of a wrestler giving acting a shot. It's more like an actor acting like a wrestler and then actually becoming a wrestler. <laughs> This pick. I know. I know this. Yeah, you must be. You must know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Zeus from 1989's most critically acclaimed movie, No Holds Barred. <laughs> this is gonna be great. Yeah. I, I, did I ever tell a story on this? How I went with my friends to see No Holds Barred. No. Okay. So did you just, tell me? Maybe just, just a quick side story. I went to go see No Holds Barred with my friends way back when my mother brought us, and because it was like we wanted to feel like badasses seeing an adult movie, we made my mother sit like five rows behind us. So this poor woman looked like, you know, she's in her 40s, and she looks like she's at No Holds Barred by herself. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, how do I describe this movie? You have Hulk Hogan essentially playing Hulk Hogan, only he's called Rip, and he wears blue instead of yellow. Rip him. Rip him! <laughs> and his uh, nemesis is Zeus, this yes. big monster brawler. He's quite a formidable foe. Yeah, yeah. He's portrayed by Tom Lister Jr., who actually has a pretty good resume, acting resume. Oh, yeah. He's been in tons of stuff. Yeah, I guess most people, I guess, would know him most as the president from The Fifth Element, right? He was in Friday. Yeah, so he's like the bad guy in the movie, but life imitates art, and he ends up becoming Zeus in the World Wrestling Federation. Yes. Because he wanted to get revenge on Hulk Hogan for beating him in a scripted movie. <laughs> Hulk Hogan! Yeah! Hulk Hogan is yellow! He is big time yellow! It's very confusing. It's like, life okay. imitates art. He didn't last long as a wrestler. He wasn't really trained to do that. But I bought the hype with Zeus. Yeah, Zeus was awesome. Yeah, I know you felt the same way, which is why when your birthday was coming up recently, <laughs> I uh, I went a little outside the box, Jay, on your yeah, gift. Yeah, you, you really did. This was uh, quite surprising to yeah. me. Yeah, I would tell you to tell them what I got you, but maybe we should just roll the clip. Yeah, just play it. All right, here we go. <laughs> What's up, Jay? Hey, man. Heard you love that WWF. Yeah, I'm Zeus from the WWF. WWE, you know what I'm saying? So what's up, sexy armpit? And the purple stuff, podcast. That podcast is what I want everybody to be checking out. Hey, y'all get in touch with Cameo. I'll come do something on y'all podcast. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Yep, I paid seventy-five fucking dollars to have Tom Lister Jr. send you a birthday video. One of the most amazing things yeah. to, to wake up on my birthday and see <laughs> and see Zeus wish me a happy birthday. But I mean, it was just so painful for him to even get through that. Well, I mean, he was obviously out on the town because this was shot in some sort of like uh, amphitheater. And you only see, like, the top three inches of his head. But it's Zeus. Oh, 
Like I'm thinking, I'm like, when are you gonna move that camera down, man? <laughs> it's oh like you know, it would make sense if there was some signage behind him, like you know, yeah. dial five 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 Zeus or something. But it's just a white wall. <laughs> I could have sworn I'm like, well, maybe he's like in a gymnasium or like you said, or a theater. I didn't know if he was signing autographs. Look, all I gotta time. tell you is that like I there's a site where you can basically book these celebrities to get you these video messages for a price. I submit yeah. this thing, and they say it might take a week. Zeus sent me that video in like four minutes. I hit the <laughs> button, and like it's like it's insane. He's just waiting. Service with a fucking smile. Way to go, Tom Lister. What if he was doing like a hundred of these a day? Could you imagine that? Well, I, no, I can't. But <laughs> I'm good. But I'm glad I could have been one. Yeah, he starts promoting. Talking about how they they're doing another Friday movie, like he just went into this tangent oh promoting. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, so what it was is like I basically gave him a couple of little notes, and yeah, you know, I'm like paraphrase this, and he paraphrased all right. <laughs> it's like I, I know this is not the best present you've ever received, but even on your deathbed, you will never forget the day that Zeus said the words "sexy armpit." Yeah, he did. He said it. <laughs> it was classic. Well, this is Debo giving you a happy birthday, fam. And I still got the bicycle. Yes, we're going to do another Friday. Probably like around September or uh, January of next year. The script is written. Stay tuned. I'd like to see you in April at the WWF WrestleMania in New York. So stay tuned. This is Debo, Tiny Lister, signing out. Number six. My name is Sergeant Slaughter, special drill instructor for G.I. Joe. That's terrific, Sarge, but uh, I'm trying to cut down on the chicken sweat just now, so if you'll excuse me. You're going nowhere, Space Case. You're here because you're the industrial spray follow-up. My job is to whip you into shape, and I'm talking whip. There's only two ways out of my command. On your feet like a man, or in a ditty bag. An itty bitty ditty bag. Got it? You pukes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that must be the Sarge. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. A lot of us know him as a professional wrestler. And a lot of us know him as a G.I. Joe character. So this is what's great about Sergeant Slaughter. He became this crossover guy. This was big time. All of a sudden, he shows up in G.I. Joe and he's a cartoon character. He was a cartoon character, but he was also himself in like some bumpers and stuff. And then he had an action figure. Like he was in the G.I. Joe universe a thousand percent in every way. G.I. Joe used Sergeant Slaughter as like a spokesperson for so many years to promote the toys and the uh, play sets and action figures. Listen up, maggots! (laughs) You maggots! (laughs) That's awesome. And I really did appreciate that he did the voice in the cartoon because too many times when we were kids, we would see famous characters like from movies get their own cartoon, but the real actor didn't provide the voice. Right, and it's nowhere near it. But this was Sarge 100%. And I would submit that he had a killer voice for animation. He really did. It's like, it was... I actually looked him up at IMDb. I'm like, this guy must have done a lot, but it doesn't really look like he has. I guess he was yeah. busy, you know, in the ring and all that, but geez. And in the 80s, Sergeant Slaughter actually released a full-length LP called Sergeant Slaughter and Camouflage Rocks America. So I had no idea about this. Wait like, a minute, and... wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sergeant Slaughter released a musical album? <laughs> yes. Called Camouflage Rocks the Peace? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right, it's called Sergeant Slaughter and Camouflage Rocks America. So Camouflage was like the band that he's with and it featured a number of original songs, uh, including Cobra Clutch, Long Distance Love, and they even did a cover of Neil Diamond's America. First of all, I was like already tripping at the disparity between the first song, Cobra Clutch, and the second song about love. <laughs> love long and distance. now you're telling me they're covering America. Years before... 
DX used their helmet visor windshield wipers to shield spit from Sergeant Slaughter's mouth. Oh, he had Sergeant his own, Slaughter. He had his own album. <laughs> That's fucking insane. It's like who would yeah. young fans of the day would never have expected that this old commissioner type guy was once a military G.I. Joe rock star. And in the Cobra Clutch song, his one line is Cobra Clutch. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so it was one of those situations, like the Freddy Krueger album then. Yes! Oh, my God. That is you so have, amazing. Hear, like, it, Cobra Clutch, when he comes in and sings the chorus, Cobra Clutch, it's amazing. Okay, give me a second, because I, I, I do need to see the album cover, I think. Yeah. The it, name it, of the it, album is what? It's... <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter in Camouflage Rocks America. All right. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, my God. He is standing next to the Statue of Liberty, which is yeah. made out of sand or granite. And the Statue of Liberty is carrying an electric guitar. It is the absolute best. Wouldn't you think, though, that you should think twice about not believing my bodega story from earlier? Yeah, I mean, if this is real, then I guess anything could be real. Even Captain Lou and Cindy Lauper meeting over a can of tab at a bodega. <laughs> you pukes. <laughs> Hi. Nancy, this is Hacksaw. Nice to meet you. Oh, it's a pleasure. And my goodness, what big strong hands you have. Yeah. Well, of course they would be. Attached to those arms. Hacksaw, hit it. Ho! Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Uh, puberty? Oh, your feet's too big. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's right, Jay. He's back. <laughs> It's happening again. Harry the Sasquatch from Harry and the Hendersons. I love how you're having this, like, like your whole adult life now is going to be dedicated to the TV show of Harry and the Hendersons. You know, I'm going to lead the Harry and the Hendersons TV series Renaissance. <laughs> you definitely are leading, I have to say. Yeah, it's a party of one so far, but I mean, give me time. So on our last episode, of course, I brought up the show because I wanted to talk about the theme song. You brought up, of course I did, because it's fucking awesome. But you brought up that one episode that also starred Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, (laughs) that's the one. So I, I think we might need to go into a little more detail about that. Yeah, it's too good to pass up. Yeah, so just a refresher. This is a TV series based on the movie. It's a nice little family and they live with a nice giant Sasquatch. Yes. And in this episode, it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And I think everyone should know who he is, right? The guy who carried a two by four. Yeah, everybody knows Hacksaw. Yeah, he was like Beethoven the dog if Beethoven was human and also a wrestler. (laughs) And if you were going to match Harry Henderson to any early 90s WWF superstar, I think Hacksaw was the right choice. Or you could just throw Andre in there. No, I definitely agree with you, Hacksaw. Please, Andre. I mean, I think by that point, Andre was pretty much sticking with the 32nd Honeycomb spots. Well, I think he actually played Bigfoot at one time. I don't doubt it. I mean, it sounds a little tab bodega y to me, but okay. (laughs) Tab bodega y. Yeah. So in this episode, Hacksaw is working on some TV commercial with the dad from the show. George, well, I still carry my trusty two by four. I don't use it much. My opponents know they better fight me clean or else. So Hacksaw is like at their house, but the family has to keep hiding Harry from him. And Harry was so upset because he idolized Hacksaw Jim Duggan. The kid loved Hacksaw. Well, the kid, the fucking Sasquatch. Oh, you think the Sasquatch loved Hacksaw? Do I think? No, I know. And you know how I know? Because there's a scene where you catch Harry daydreaming about... Let me check my note. 
throwing two by fours in the air and catching them with Jim Duggan. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, part. like he he's does. like he's looking right. at hacksaw like a dog looks at a steak. It's just like the most bizarre, <laughs> lovesick thing. You're right. Yep. So at the <laughs> so at the end of the episode, they force Harry to like wrestle under a mask, even though it's like he's so obviously still a Sasquatch. I don't even know why they bothered. He's like eight foot five, totally covered in hair, but whatever. Works out okay. Harry finally earns kudos from Hacksaw. You skipped a lot of the nuances because you wanted to condense it. But I mean, that's pretty much the gist of the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't go into every minute detail, but the episode has been described by at least one critic as the feel-good event of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that one critic is me. <laughs> so I think Vince McMahon must have approved this cameo because it's all using like official footage from when Hacksaw was in the ring and they say WWF superstar a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, it was totally official. Like you see footage from like the weekend shows where he's like beating up on some jobber. It's it's a real deal. WWF Vince approved thing. Yeah, Vince was probably like, he's going to be on a show with Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, Hacksaw. Yeah. <laughs> going to take it in the top. <laughs> and, you know, Vince is a uh, notorious micromanager. I can't say that I think he micromanaged this particular episode of Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. A little, little loosey-goosey, but it worked for me. <laughs> You're saying maybe he should have. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, opposing Mad Dog Depew, direct from the forest of the Great Northwest, the defender of the right and the just, Bigfoot man? Number eight. Genius! Behold, the ideal killing machine. I call this little number Bane. Bane of humanity! Next up, Matt, we have Batman and Robin from 1997, that uh, illustrious film from Joel Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Jeep Swenson, an actual professional wrestler, played Bane. Bane of humanity! Yeah. We have a lot to discuss here, not only because <sighs> it was the first time Bane showed up in a live-action film, but you know the guy, John Glover. John Glover from Gremlins 2, yep. He plays basically like a Dr. Frankenstein type of guy, and he brings Bane to life by injecting this scrawny little dude with his Venom concoction. Yeah, and then with the impressive CG effects of the late 90s, we see Bane become big. Yeah, so he becomes this ginormously huge guy, and the veins are drawn on his muscles with multicolored Sharpies. That's how good the... Uh, makeup and effects were it, it did feel exactly <laughs> like that it looked like you were highlighting a book yeah we have mr freeze as one of the villains and uma thurman plays poison ivy and she's basically like in charge of bane yeah. because i don't know just this this movie is hard to explain so mm -hmm. it's best i would not say to... that yes it's it's not an easy one to properly summarize no yeah, it's best not to look too deeply into it, but there's a scene where Poison Ivy picks up one of these like glass chemical bottles and it says Wayne Enterprise on it. And then the immediate next shot, Bane just happens to be standing there flexing his muscles as if he knew the editor of the film was going to shoot to him. You know? And he's like hamming it up and he grunts a lot. Listen, he, they didn't give old Bane a lot to work with. He had to maximize his moments. Bane plays a valet. Yup. He was doing some cosplay of Michelangelo in his trench coat outfit. <laughs> yep. And he even disguised himself in a pink gorilla suit. <laughs> yup. No beauty. Just the beast. I watched the movie to prepare for your little section here, and after yeah. a while it hit me. I had never seen Batman and Robin before. <laughs> Oh my God, are you serious? I've seen clips, I knew the basics, but so much of it was brand new to me, and oh my God, it is just so campy, and, and what a masterpiece. It's absolutely simultaneously atrocious, and 
the greatest thing you've ever seen at the same time. That's the only way to describe it. I mean, it is like a drag show mixed with something you'd sit through at Six Flags. It was just nuts. It's out of control. Yeah. It's not good by any means. <laughs> it's not good in the way like 89 Batman is, but it's good in the way like taking a lot of drugs is. <laughs> but i'm sorry for cutting you off there so jeep swenson is the guy who played bane and he's a professional wrestler like for a little while his claim to fame is obviously bane but at one point he said he had the largest biceps in the world and then out of nowhere he appears in no holds barred oh my god that's right yeah lug wrench perkins (laughs) <laughs> who could forget lug wrench all these things they all tie together we've been doing these coincidences the whole night it's amazing how that tied into no holds barred and then later on he was part of the uh the alliance to end hulkamania <laughs> yes and he was again teamed with zeus yes <laughs> so things all tie together yeah this is it's a this whole episode is like a weird episode of lost or something like everything is connecting so bizarre yeah so let me ask you a question here um yeah i had some cursory knowledge of bane when the whole back-breaking batman thing went down mm-hmm. from what i recall bane was kind of like a major fucking huge deal right so were fans not entirely happy with this version that's the thing i was in the theater um, i actually skipped school and i went to the theater and i watched it i actually saw it like two times in a row i was so disappointed in this film when it came out just speaking for myself yes it was a mockery of that character that's what i would say that's what it seemed like because i know i wasn't like a batman reader but i know that storyline or at least the basics and i remember the culture around it at that point it was like wow Bane Bane don't fuck around. You can't make him be Batman if you're going to then put him in a movie and make him look like a total buffoon cartoon character. Yeah, just basically like a Rottweiler walking around. (laughs) And I love how, like, they defeat Bane by very gently kicking these steroid tubes out of the back of his head. Like, that after this whole movie, like, this is what it takes. Like, Robin basically just, like, kind of flicks his leg and Bane's dead. But no, it was really sad to see. And now you could watch the film and you could watch it at almost like as a riff tracks or something. But you look at it and you're like, imagine how it was back then when you were the kid going to the comic shop, picking up these comics, thinking this is DC's number one villain right now. Right. <laughs> but they treated him like number two. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. Mike on how to remind your parents that now Tuesday is Kids Night at Pizza Hut. Try serenading. Tuesday night. Kids night. Tuesday night. Try the old codfish trick. <laughs> Hire professional help. Tuesday night. Kids night. Take them. You can't miss Kids Night at Pizza Hut. You get free Nickelodeon magazines and free personal pan pizzas when your folks order their pizza. And if they still won't take you, call Ninja Duck. Pizza Hut. And my last pick is another TV commercial, this time for Pizza Hut, starring Demolition. Yes, I love this. Here comes the axe, and here comes the smasher. The demos will get you. So I think this commercial is from 1990, but you never know because I swear people put ads on YouTube, like these old commercials. Half the time it just seems like they make up the dates. You're totally right. Anytime you look anything up, if it was in the 80s, it'll say 1990 or it's always screwed up. They just need to put 198 question mark and then it just covers them. Yeah. It's like, stop fucking guessing. Don't make me think Demolition did the Pizza Hut commercial in 88 if it was 90. They have to get that right from now on. And since I'm on this tangent, as you can guess, I don't actually have too much to say about Demolition's Pizza Hut commercial. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. I, I have no, plenty to say. We're going to go on for all night. <laughs> yeah. Strap in, Jay. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in the commercial, we have some kids trying to make sure their parents knew that Tuesday night was kids' night at Pizza Hut. 
Yes, Tuesday night was kids' night. Yeah, and they're using like this progressive series of aggressive props, and when all else fails, they hire fucking demolition to (laughs) ring their doorbell and scream about pizza to their parents. Yes. Now, when I describe this to non-wrestling fans, God knows what they're picturing, we have to at least give a brief description of demolition. To me, I always use the Road Warrior uh, and Mad Max movies as a kind of an example. Yeah, and also Kiss. These two big ass dudes with black leather and spikes, painted faces, yep, red tongues. Oh the god, yeah, mm-hmm. they yeah. love those Jolly Ranchers, man. Receding hairlines, <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> On a wrestling show, they fit in just fine. But here you're seeing Axe and Smash with the painted faces, red tongues, and the black leather underwear. And they're standing in broad daylight at like a suburban porch. It's like seeing a demon uh, right on your porch at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I'm just like picturing Axe and Smash like on set. I guess they were used to it at that point. But man, those Pizza Hut producers have been like, hmm, this is different. (laughs) (laughs) And plus, one thing we didn't mention too is that... They would come out. They had that badass theme song. Like, bah, 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 bah. here comes the axe. Yep. Here comes the smasher. And then they're on this nice happy-go-lucky Pizza Hut commercial. Yeah, it's a little incongruous. But uh, it, it worked for me, and it certainly worked for millions, because this Kids Night thing was a massive success. I'll tell you, though, that commercial, I really I like when the kids uh, dressed up as rappers, really giving them the hard sell, trying to get the parents to go to the Pizza Hut. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I don't think they need to go to the ends of the earth to say, Mom and Dad, can you bring me to Pizza Right. Hut? They're treating it like they're trying to get a trip to Disney World. It's fucking, it's the pizza place off the block. Like, I don't think this is really going to take this much effort. I don't think you need to actually hire demolition to make this dream happen. But I mean, yeah, when Demolition came in, like, that was the shit right there. That was total showstopper. And and they got the job done because the shot right after Demolition is these kids eating personal pan pizzas. Who's going to say no to Demolition? (laughs) Totally. And who's going to say no to free personal pan pizzas? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. You remember those back then? They came out in those, like, iron skillet things. Oh, Oh, yeah. They were so good. And uh, the those red cups. Do you remember going and they had those sort of red frosted glasses? <laughs> yes, in fact, for some reason, I, I guess because I had typed the words Pizza Hut, my computer, like all the <laughs> algorithms started going crazy. So I got like a suggested eBay auction for that, those glasses. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, they're on eBay right now. There are eight of them if you want one. <laughs> and, and like, they look great. Like, man, you could kill a fucking elephant with one of those glasses. <laughs> I don't know why like, everyone remembers those. Like, it was just a cup. I mean, <laughs> it was, no, 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 no. It wasn't just a cup. It was the cup. It was grooved. It was giant. It was like crystal red. It looked like it could power a fucking spaceship. <laughs> Mention Pizza Hut buffet to your family and watch them come running. It's all the pizza, pasta, and salad you can eat. Just three ninety nine for adults and a dollar ninety nine for kids who tend to get hungry too. So when your appetite says buffet and your budget says bargain, Pizza Hut's got all you can eat. Call your hometown Pizza Hut restaurant for Sunday buffet serving hours. Three ninety nine for adults and a dollar ninety nine for kids. Number 10. Why don't you put your money where your sorry excuse for a mouth is for you? Hey, Hogan, as usual, your words hit harder than your fist, man. A fight, one-on-one, no holds barred, winner take all. All this property, Flair. Oh, man, doesn't that sound delightful? What's the collateral, Hogan? Something that you could never hang on to, Flair. The WCW heavyweight title, brother. Wait a minute, I call the shots. We're making a team. Me and Vader and Macho Man, I want you right here, right now. I'd love to tear you apart. This is something you would have never guessed, Matt. Yeah? I was a fan of Baywatch. You? A fan of Baywatch? Mm. Man, stop the presses. (laughs) And in this episode of Baywatch, called Bash at the Beach... We have Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ric Flair, (laughs) Kevin Sullivan, and Vader all in one episode, Matt. My God. My (laughs) God. I don't know, man. I feel like we should have just done a show about this one episode. The gist of the episode is that Ric Flair 
former wrestling champion is now a land developer and he wants to buy the land of a gym that's on the Venice boardwalk, right? Naturally. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> this is basically like the plot to the Goonies are good enough video. Oh, God, it's happening again. Oh, God. <laughs> so, all the dudes are hanging and banging on the beach, pumping iron, and now Flair waltzes in and he wants to build condos there. So, Hogan says, you know what? You're not going to buy this land. I'm challenging you guys to fight us, and whoever wins will get the land right so hogan fights vader savage fights flair but the fact is that they built a whole baywatch episode (laughs) around this this is like i mean i've not seen many episodes of baywatch maybe i've not seen any other episodes of baywatch but if the rest of the show is even remotely like this i'm going to watch the entire series because it is this was just fucking art The main event is actually at the beginning of the show where Hogan and Savage are jet ski racing each other. Mm -hmm. This episode literally opens like if you're watching Baywatch, you have no idea what's going to come on. Literally, it's it's Hulk Hogan and Macho Man jet skiing. While they're jet ski racing each other, they're talking trash to each other, but it's dubbed over, right? And it comes off like an inner monologue because their mouths aren't <laughs> it totally moving. Fucking does. It totally does. Like, on what planet am I supposed to believe that these people are able to hear each other over their fucking wave runners like blaring water? Hey, Macho, race you to the pier, brother. Let's do it, brother. Hammer down. Gotta fail. Race you to the pier. <laughs> Let's do it, brother. <laughs> the best is when Hogan's like, is that all you got, Macho? And then he, he says, dude, you cut me off. Like, that's that's how they're saying these lines. <laughs> it's like they're recording dialogue for like a really bad Sega CD game. So then Hogan sees an attractive woman on a nearby jet ski and he becomes like this Cro-Magnon man where he's like, Whoa. (laughs) And he slows down his jet ski. But then after that, he jumps a wave and he gets flung like 750 feet away. So then he's floating face down in the water and he looks deader than Hulkamania was after Yokozuna invaded the Nutter Center that night. Oh, that's low, brother. It took uh, six Baywatch babes to come and pull him out of the water. And then CJ gives him mouth to mouth. And you're wondering, like, okay, how many takes did Hulk Hogan screw up on purpose with that one to get Pam Anderson to give him mouth to mouth for like 30 seconds? Yeah, I'm sure there was a little bit of something going on there. <laughs> yeah, and then the girls all admit that they're closet wrestling fans. Yeah, they were being a little disparaging towards the sport that we both love so much. <laughs> They were, yeah. But I think the best part of the thing, aside from the jet ski racing, was a training montage. Oh, my and God. They use Hogan's <laughs> WCW American Made theme song. Oh God, the Rocky montage, this was not. It was not, it was not a Rocky montage <laughs> at all. Oh, man. It was like the We Are the World video version of Hulkamania. Yeah, but it was like that kind of lower budget Hulkamania in WCW. <laughs> He's American made. <laughs> so they have their match at the end. Vader comes in with his mechanical ant eater helmet. Oh, yeah. And, and I fucking love that. The good guys win and they all celebrate on the beach, but womp womp. The end is like a total downer. And there's a subplot about Stephanie who has skin cancer at the end. And then the show just ends. Okay. I, I, I'm <laughs> glad you went to this point because I had to bring it up if you didn't. This episode has a plot A and a plot B. Plot A is everything you just described with Hulk, Macho, Ric Flair, fucking Vader, and Kevin Sullivan rubbing his hands together going, nah. (laughs) Plot B was about fucking melanoma. Yeah. So they do a story about serious illness as the B plot in an episode where Hulk Hogan gets hit in the face with a wave runner. (laughs) But like toward the end of the episode, when like Hogan wins his match against Vader and they're all celebrating on the beach. He's holding his title up and in the air. And then at the end, Stephanie from Baywatch may not be with them anymore. And that's what they decide to end on. It is the tale of the two shows because these two major plots are completely separate. Hoff yeah. doesn't even appear with the wrestlers. He's he's stuck in the Stephanie plot. 
Yeah. And it's like, they're using these like horror strings every time she gets bad news. And it's like bad news every time she's on screen. And then you cut back to Hogan and Macho, and they're like, oh, yeah! And, then, you know, <laughs> Macho's holding up a fucking pile of Slim Jims every time he's on screen. I know, he's tossing out Slim Jims. Oh, my everywhere. God. I'm like, I can't believe the dichotomy in this episode. Yeah, it even says Slim Jim on the ring posts. It does. And then they have randos, like, wandering, like, fans wandering into frame, and they're wearing Slim Jim t-shirts. Like, this is their casual wear. It was probably how they got the crowd to come. Like, hey, free Slim Jims. Oh, my God. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you're totally right about the Stephanie plot with Hasselhoff because it's like they're in an episode of Dark Shadows and everyone else is in a Bash at the Beach (laughs) pay-per-view. I mean, was this, like, a thing that they did on Baywatch? This, like, plot A, plot B that didn't intersect? Because it was was a thing they did. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, no, subplot is Hobie's going to get eaten by a shark. But plot A is like CJ got dumped and she's really sad. Or in this (laughs) case, plot A is Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and plot B is melanoma. So, yeah. (laughs) Just an absolute shit show in the best way possible. I'm like, I mean, it's like I was watching this just with my jaw on the fucking floor. Like, I couldn't believe this happened. And what was funny, Hulk, Macho, these guys. They fit right into the show's vibe. They really did. It was so, they're so over the top. They felt like they belonged there. And it was basically like if you, the, there's like the movie Dodgeball and the Goonies. Like it's a total trope to say that the Goonies, these guys, you're doing it again. Yeah, totally. They're, they basically said, hey, you know what? We're going to get this land back unless it's going to get taken by developers. It's, yeah. it's such a trope. Yeah, who would think yeah. that this plot would would be such a universal thing that you could apply to any situation, be it a Cindy Lauper video, a Goonies movie, or an episode of Baywatch where Hulk Hogan almost drowns? Well, I was pretty ruthless yesterday. I probably never should have stood up on the ski like that. I'd like to thank you and all your friends again for saving my life. Well, you were pretty reckless. How's your head? Well, it's a lot better than the ski. It was totaled when it hit me. You're kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. I can't. I can't with this anymore. Holy shit, Matt. Oh, my God. It feels like uh, we were in a battle royal, and it was just the Purple Stuff podcast. Were we in a battle royal with Andre and the refrigerator, Perry? <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah. It's time to do our thing. I will start with your list. Okay. You brought to the table Bane from Batman and Robin. Yes. Captain Freedom from The Running Man. Mm. Sergeant Slaughter from G.I. Joe. Puke. <laughs> The unlikely tryst between Cindy Lauper and Captain Lou Albano forged over <laughs> a can of tab at a bodega. <laughs> and Hulk, Macho, Ric Flair, Vader, and Kevin fucking Taskmaster Sullivan on an episode of Baywatch. Classic. That is a list. I feel like that episode of Baywatch holds up as an actual piece of entertainment better than Batman and Robin. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. No, I can't. Yeah, you know, I really did appreciate what I saw in Batman and Robin because it's just so out there. But Baywatch, Baywatch has Slim Jim ring posts on a cage match that's taking place on a beach, and it's also they could win land for a fucking gym. And I think on balance, there's just no way I could pick anything but that episode. Yes, I knew it. You yeah. had to. <laughs> and then, yeah, Hogan almost dies from getting hit in the face with. Oh with God, the and it's the greatest too. It's like total, like it's like it's like a Flintstones hit. They show Hogan looking up, and then they show like the Wave Runner flying through the air, and then it just <laughs> lands on him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only way to go. Totally. All right, you got a great list as well here. So let's go through it. We have Hacksaw Jim Duggan on an episode of Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> we had uh, demolition in a Pizza Hut commercial. Yep. We had Zeus Tiny Lister from No Holds Barred and my birthday video. <laughs> Happy birthday, <laughs> sexy armpit. <laughs> we had Super Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Yeah. 
for me, it's going to go down to um, Zeus and Demolition because that that Pizza Hut commercial was fantastic. And I think what's going to happen is that Zeus wins by a birthday greeting <laughs> video. <laughs> he appreciates that. By yeah. the way, Tom Tiny Lister. You can find him on Cameo.com, low price of $75 for a one-minute message. <laughs> that was classic. Oh, boy. And, uh, wow. So we've recorded our annual wrestling show. Now we just have to make it through 47 hours of WrestleMania. That's going to be a lot of fun. And as always, we really appreciate you guys checking out the show. I'm sure you'll see our updates about what we thought of WrestleMania on our social media. Yes, and of uh, the drinking that I'm sure we'll start doing way too early. And as a reminder, you could always go to our Patreon, which is... Patreon.com slash Purple Stuff. And you can keep up with the show. You get our exclusive bonus show every month. Mm-hmm. Things are going good over there. Come and join us. And thanks for supporting. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. See you next time. I'm the wrestling king, but now I'm spitting lyrics. Took a break from the ring, cause I want you all to hear this. Coming to the medium, nobody expected. I've been in the game for years and I'm still respected. Michael Man, Randy Savage, the true deep warrior. Critics, I'm ignoring you, your lady did euphoria. People in the streets say, Randy, you the illness. And you are listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.